passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting. The A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Waiting. Welcome to Rewind a Raw as All In Week begins the road to Wembley Stadium. Hello, Way. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm uh, glad to be back. Glad, glad to be speaking with you. Yeah. I mean, you didn't exactly take any time off. You were still, you know, plenty present throughout the site. Through through broadcast, but you did have a few evenings off. So, are you? It, it was very pleasant. It was very pleasant. It was very um, uh, nice to not have to watch wrestling every single night. It was nice to have like a two nights out of the last seven that were wrestling free. It was wild. It was wow. really crazy. Yeah, I went for a walk. It was a it was a great vacation. What's that like, um, <laughs> dude, it's mind altering. That's what it is. Uh, but a big thank you to Kate from Montreal, the uh, the MVP, uh, joining you. I really enjoyed listening to the two of you together. It's great. I would be like, you know what? I could just retire. I could just walk off, and I'd be fine with this. So, uh, a great job uh, by by everyone involved, just on a on a regular weekly basis. Everyone at the site. Anytime, anytime John takes any time off, it's like it's such a gargantuan effort from I would say everybody. So, big thank you to Neil and Andrew on the site as well. Really doing a whole lot while John was away for a yes. few for a little bit. There's a lot going on this week. Uh, we are going to have no less than. Four people associated with post-wrestling that will be at All In this Sunday. We have, of course, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman, uh, two guys that seem to be having such a great time. I was already figuring we might never see Davey again. I'm wondering if Braden will come back as well. Oh, I feel I feel like Braden is, is even more likely to just completely devote his life to maybe staying over there. So Maybe uh, he I, will have a, an All In callback. And he'll forget his passport when we have to leave. I, do you remember that? I do not remember that. Was that an an incident? We let th- this ties in well because later this week we're going to be re-releasing our review of All In, which the four of us attended back in 2018 in Chicago, Hoffman Estates. And so we did our review, and the next day we were on our way back and we're waiting outside. We weren't all staying, we were all staying in the same hotel i think anyway Braden is outside and i just see him furiously going through his bag and he can't find his passport it's gone and he had to go back it was somehow he had left it in his hotel room and had already checked out of the room 
and and it ended up he did locate his passport but there was like a good 10 minutes of <laughs> this guy may have completely lost his passport and uh obviously we would we would have just had to have left him there and we had to get home we have things to do he'd probably be still be in chicago now and you know maybe that much happier watching so much wrestling yes so they are going to be at all in as will neil flanagan as will andrew thompson it was also going mm-hmm. to all in. So it's going to be uh, that that's four accounted for of the 80,846. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, that we know of, you know, there could be a whole lot more, of course. Um, I believe our our friends at the British Wrestling Experience or former British Wrestling Experience friends will also be there. Oh, the Grapple Lads will be there. I'm sure. Grapple yes. Lads will be there. All Full in force. it. Yeah. Um, Robert Pearson, I know, will be there. Front row. Maybe we'll have to tune in to find out. Is Brandon from New Jersey going to all in? And that might be the, you know, he might be a bigger sort of a well-kept secret than anybody on that card. Okay. Well, we are going to have tons of coverage of uh, all in coming up this weekend. So the plan on Sunday, the zero hour begins at noon Eastern time, which for those on the West Coast, that would mean a, a 9 a.m. start time. If you if you want to catch zero hour and the the pursuit of the ROH tag titles, the main that, card that sounds like fun to me. You know, waking. I mean, we we were kind of used to it. Sometimes watching a Japanese show, you know, you wake up very early in the morning, have a bowl of cereal, watch your wrestling. I mean, nine a.m. zero hour. Be done if it was a weekday, it would be awesome. Uh, weekends are in the day are a hassle. Um, but regardless, um, so then the main card is at one p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to ask you, Way. When we are going to go live as soon as the show ends, what time do you assume that will be? If the main card is at one, so what are typical AEW pay per view lengths? What are they? Four, five hours? About. Uh, I would say, excluding the the buy in slash zero hour, they typically go eight till midnight, so four hours. About four hours. Okay, I'm going to say this one goes even longer just because of the scale of the show. Not, it's not like the card is that much bigger than a typical AEW show, but something tells me that this, this one's going to run a bit well, think, longer. Think about the entrances, how much lo- like that adds up. That mm-hmm. those entrances that everyone's going to be making, you'll probably have some elaborate ones as well. Like that's a, that's a distance to cover for all those entrances. Now, are there any limitations like either with the building or or with any sort of broadcast um, uh, that that might limit you know the amount of time of the show? Not that I'm aware of. Right. I mean, they, they usually have like that that hard out of like the the four hours or so. But I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, they are they are not going to run over any allotted okay. time. So maybe 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 I'm I'm being I'm overestimating. But five I, mean, I, th- I think five, five hours, including the zero hour. Sure. Well, I'm saying like five p.m. or so is when I assume. Yeah. It'll be wrapping up five to five thirty would be my guess. So we will go mm-hmm. live Sunday right after all in, uh, and you can catch that. And if you want to uh, go back. Uh, five years ago to our review of all in back when we were just young, impressionable, um, 30 somethings. Uh, I think Braden was 10 uh, reviewing the first all in from the Sears center and finding out what, what does this all mean? Have you gone back to rewatch the show way? I've never watched that show beyond what I watched like live in the building. I've never rewatched the show. Yeah, me neither. So, um, are you going to re-listen to this podcast? At no, least? no, I don't. I'm not to either. So, either. Uh, please, uh, please, uh, 
please, like, if we say anything really stupid from our um, selves from five years ago, please, please have uh, some forgiveness for us. Yes, yes. Remember, this is we, this is not a rewind away. We are not reviewing it in the moment no. going back. So uh, when canceled wrestlers come up, no, we are speaking about them five years ago. Yes, correct. Okay. Uh, we'll go over the schedule more before we get to the raw review, but let's just dive right into news. Why? There's a bit here. I do want to start off with an MMA story because this is a continuation of our discussion we had with uh, Eric McGregor last week about the UFC antitrust suit. So I will break this down. It's there was a a conference today in Las Vegas, and essentially what this is coming down to is that the, the judge that uh, put out the ruling like two weeks ago is taking like a very aggressive stance towards this suit. It was filed in 2014. And it seems like uh, this judge is really wanting to speed things up. And so the judge here wants to fast track the Kung Lee suit, which is against the UFC, with the hope of a trial beginning as early as next March and would be held over four to five weeks. The key to all this happening is that the UFC has the right to appeal. And that comes down to the and it's expected the UFC will appeal this week. And then it comes down to the Ninth Circuit Court that will either accept this appeal or reject it. If they reject this appeal, then it sounds like this trial could start by next March. They've also ruled that um, that there will be, we have the two antitrust lawsuits. So basically the Kung Lee suit covers everyone up until uh, a period in 2017, like June 30th of 2017. So all fighters that competed between 2000 and 2017 they are covered in that suit. And then a separate suit was filed on behalf of Cajun Johnson that covers the fighters from that period onward. At one point, they were talking about merging the cases together, but they are going to be tried uh, separately. And another um, aspect that came out of today, and by the way, a lot of these notes come from a Paul Gift, who you can follow at MMA Analytics. Uh, there's also you know commentary for, from John Nash on this. But the entire record of the case is going to be unsealed except for personal information. So this phase of uh, discovery is only going to provide even more information uh, in the weeks and months to come. But the focus now is on this Ninth Circuit Court and what happens when the UFC appeals and then how the Ninth Circuit, who have about 90 days to decide um, if they allow or reject the appeal process from the UFC. And if we go to trial, um, does that speed up the aggressiveness towards a settlement and if so, like, how are you viewing this if this is Endeavor that is sort of in this position for an antitrust lawsuit that is in the midst of closing this uh, merger between the WWE and UFC? And does this open up the WWE to look under the hood of their business practices, many of whom would look at them as even more restrictive than the UFC? Um, conversely, going to trial um, could also lead to people looking at the WWE if a precedent is set. It's a very big story to watch. And I mean, this has been just a case that has been going on for nearly nine years. And it just seems over this past month, it is now sped up. And you have this judge, Judge Bulware, Richard Bulware, who is pretty much like his his ruling that he came down with recently that we went over in the interview last week. Like it was very aggressive towards like the UFC's business practices and be, being very critical of it. So, I mean, the fighters like th this has been a win for them over these last couple of weeks. And it looks like they're, I don't know if this will ever make it to trial. If a settlement is ultimately the, um, the final course of action, but it's going to be very, very newsworthy regardless, whatever the outcome of this is, but it looks like things are, are ramping up after, after many years of just slowly plotting 
and moving along. Beyond maybe, you know, whether or not this, um, the scope of this particular case, do you think there's that there's any other information that, that we'll discover about the UFC's business that might come out of this? I have no doubt that with all the the records of this case being unsealed, I think we're going to have a lot more insight into the specific business practices and testimonies um, or um, those that have been deposed. I mean, just already from the discovery, we've been able to see like the percentages of revenue that have been paid to fighters, specific instances of, you know, Lorenzo Fertitta tweeting or, or texting Dana White about just, you know, sucking the oxygen out of these these fuckers that he referred to Bellator as. I mean, it's just it, it gives a lot more sunlight towards the sort of underbelly of these business businesses and the practices and means of which they have gone. And it, and it comes down to the argument, again, that it is not illegal to operate a monopoly. The illegality is the means by which you achieve that, uh, whether it be a monopoly or monopsony in the industry. So to have to to have that status is not illegal. But if they can prove that you were so destructive to your competition to get this status, that mm -hmm. is what's at the heart of the matter. The sequel to monopoly, monopsony. I don't. That's it. Uh, not not as big of a, a Christmas seller, uh, monopsony um, that all the kids are playing. WrestleMania 40 tickets uh, went on sale last week. They were on sale throughout the week uh, with the pre-sale. Um, and then Friday was the on sale. And today they put out their their big press release to trumpet that over 90,000 tickets have been sold for Lincoln Financial Field. And they are claiming that they have now set a new gate record. Terminology I did not use in this story because I just find it to be too far-fetched uh, to claim this to be a all-time gate record but what they are doing is wrestlemania is now it's just wrestlemania it doesn't matter how many events come under the umbrella each year it is compared these two events outdraw all the other uh single day uh, events so they have they are stating that they have already beat last year's gross of 21.6 million dollars which i mean these are phenomenal phenomenal numbers that they have drawn but it's it's always the wwe of <laughs> It's just like it's how it, can we take this further? Exactly. It's like the truth is it's, it's incredible business that they have drawn. And it's just mm -hmm. still the need to be somewhat misleading. But if you are looking for legitimately the single day gate record is still WrestleMania 32 from AT&T Stadium, which did $17.3 million, which when you adjust for inflation is pretty much what they have done for two nights of WrestleMania last year and this year, which to me only emphasizes how gigantic that WrestleMania was in 2016, that they did that for one night. I mean, even if you uh, look at that year, had it been separate, separated into two events, maybe you're not doing 17.3 on either night, but combined. I mean, just the, the demand was amazing in 2016, as it is for the show in Philadelphia uh, coming up April 6th and 7th. Um, but it is, like, obviously, this is it's it's very hard to ignore, like what is going on this week and the WWE having this news out, whether by coincidence or just listen, this is just the timing of, of it all. Yeah. I'm sure it's a bit of both. You know, if all in was not taking place this week, would WWE still have touched this? Would they still have embellished, you know, their whatever numbers that they might have to maximize this PR value of a, a, a legitimate feat like what they've accomplished? I think the answer would be yes. 
are they maybe trumpeting a little bit harder, maybe a little bit earlier than they would have? Um, and who knows, you know, at this point, but this is the WWE and we can't really, you know, discount those ideas. Yes. And to expect people to parse, you know, one day from two, um, hmm. it's just, you know, gate record over 90,000 tickets. But I think but, it but is who's important. even having these conversations, John, I'm curious, you know, and the people that are looking deep enough to be able to compare all in with WWE, wouldn't they know the truth? You would hope um, they would. But I mean, today, like I saw all the, you know, just completing, just copying like the all time gate record. I mean, right. all it takes is like a couple of minutes of, you know, just basic. Um, Do you expect a similar type of, um, I guess, attention given to whatever record that, you know, AEW might have for all in? I am curious how AEW handles the promotion of that number. It's one thing to draw it. It's another to market the number. That mm -hmm. is part of the game is mm -hmm. getting that out there. And if your sports business journals of the world are covering this story on Sunday, that to me is what AEW needs to do. And, you know, it's, it's not so much the post wrestlings or WrestleNomics of the world that are going through these numbers and promoting them, but WWE seeing that it like on the front page of a sports business journal or yeah. major trades or variety covering this kind of stuff. That is where I think they, they want to have their figures out. And I mean, ultimately it's, it's an amazing promotional tool for just pro wrestling. If you can have these numbers side by side, like here mm -hmm. is one company that has sold 90,000 tickets over two nights for their um, franchise event. And here is the competitor that has drawn over 80,000 fans for a show in London, England. Like to me, that just yeah. is, it, it tells you where, you know, where the ceiling is for big franchise pro wrestling events. Even if the AEW number, it's, it's weird. Like here is this gigantic number that they are drawing on Sunday. And yet domestically right now, like you can see where ticket sales are in, in the U S and this is hardly a booming period for AEW, but this, this Wembley stadium show has sort of been a mirage. Like here is, you know, where business has been a bit soft in the U S and yet they are uh, about to stage by far their, their biggest event and legitimately one of the biggest events in wrestling history. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it almost feels like it's, it's almost a different game that they're excelling at versus, you know, the one that they're all, all always playing here, you know, uh, in North America, but nonetheless, you know, the game of, of a wrestling promotion is to promote and whatever you're given, whatever, win you have, you try to make it seem as big as possible. How far will AEW go to make this win feel big? Or is there something holding them back from maybe embellishing a little bit for, for themselves? Do you expect All In to begin with Tony Khan in the middle of the ring for his Vince McMahon WrestleMania 3 welcome? I, like, this is his signature show. Yeah. And does he open the show with that, you know, very iconic callback? Or is that almost too copycat to a very famous scene of WrestleMania 3? Perhaps. And, and I feel like maybe Tony... Um... <laughs> I don't think he's exactly prone to like, you know, appearing on camera these days. Like the guy appears on camera quite often and when especially when there's something to announce. I feel like that setting would be fitting to have a Tony Khan appear at some point. Maybe not necessarily the opening, but at some point I think I think it would be actually nice for the entire promotion just to be able to say, Hey, thank you guys for coming here. We've achieved blank, you know? 
Let's move on. John Cena is coming back. He is set for SmackDown next week in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and then he will be part of the card that is going down in India on September the 8th, in which he is going to wrestle on the show. So this will be his first match since WrestleMania and first appearances for WWE since um, stumping for WrestleMania in London a couple of weeks back at Money in the Bank. So you will get an appearance on SmackDown, a wrestling match in India, which as of now, I... I don't even know if they've announced if this is going to be airing on on Sony in India. This is just a strict uh, live event. It's not like they're running some giant uh, venue for this. Um, You don't think this will be a network thing like the last one was? They haven't announced anything like that um, for for the (laughs) network. Now, they could always put this up later, but they they have not announced anything. Whereas the the last show that they did from the Performance Center, I mean, they, they made that clear that that was going to be a network special. Um, but yes, I assume it's going to be very similar to like to that one where I think most of the card like it will almost feel out of the universe where um, a lot of the roster are will be made up of people that you won't typically see. Um, and then you'll have like a big seed match up top where he'll team up with, you know, like a rising Indian star, perhaps. Yeah, I I, I don't know how much. Like I, I did not think Cena looked great in that WrestleMania match with Austin Theory, and I mean, I, I don't know how much of a match you're necessarily going to see or involvement. I don't think you should Cena. be expecting that much. We're talking about John Cena, who you know has has a lot more riding on on his person right now than you know delivering a five star classic. I mean, just appearing on the show, I think, is all that's expected of it. Well, is it expected? Are you surprised at all that during the strike that John Cena is appearing on the show here? A little bit. I mean, you know, obviously, like, this is not in con- any conflict with, you know, his obligations on, under um, SAG, but it's I not, do know but you, you it's frowned had... upon, like, for actors to really engage in any any sort of like, I think it's a work. bit of a bad look. Like, Brian Gord oh, yeah. said as much about why he would not expect Dwayne Johnson to be showing up in WWE during the strike. It's just, it's a bad mm-hmm. look. Like, WWE is not bound by the restrictions, but regardless, I mean, this is sort of this is not really in the spirit of what the strike represents. And, um, you know, John Cena has been very careful about that, that stuff as well, but regardless, mm-hmm. he, he is showing up on this and, and perhaps this will be a non story. It's just, he's a WWE yeah. guy. He's showing up on WWE, but yeah. I, I was a little surprised by it a little bit, but he like, uh, I guess the strike was, it wasn't happening by the time, um, the, the money in the bank occurred. So no. I guess that wasn't, he, he was shooting a movie uh, from what I understand, even in, in London. Um, I, you know, you won't get any sort of promotion for whatever project that he's, you know, currently working on. I, I and he I does have that. a movie coming out in October, mm-hmm. um, as well. That I mean, um, which would constitute work if you're there to promote, you know. So yeah, and and he is not able to do like promotion mm-hmm. for for that movie. So that's the John Cena news. As we mentioned with All In, the the latest WrestleTix figure is they are up to eighty thousand eight hundred forty six. That was as of Saturday. Are you expecting a big by big i mean like like how what is the ceiling you feel in this last week do you expect a big lead up in the days before wembley i don't know what to expect when it comes to this AEW audience who could have foreseen this right and for me to make any sort of prediction about a walk-in a walk-up number i i i just i i'm almost so hesitant to to make any sort of guess because this company always 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 over exceeds projections um what what is a typical like I, I believe like I heard something around like four thousand or five thousand for um like one of those Wembley shows in the past or or or, or, or so, SummerSlam had, had a walk above that but th- that's high like five thousand yeah. that was that was high for SummerSlam 
But this is going to be, I think there's going to be a ton of buzz this week for the show. I can only imagine that that's going to be that much more in London itself. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to um, estimate what the final number could be. But I, and as well, how hard they hit the promotion in, in and around London this week uh, in the lead up to the show and get a lot of their stars all over the place. Like how... How dedicated is that promotional arm for for a, an event of this level and the connections they have in the British market? Yeah, and at some point, like I think you you would have to look at this particular card that they've set up, and and you have to ask, like you know, is this the type of card that'll generate a lot of walk up interest, a lot of l- late last week interest? Um, and I don't don't know how I I would assess it. Um, Personally speaking, I don't think it's the type of card that would like it. Like if they put an Osprey versus Omega and I hate to even beat that dead horse at this point, I do feel like you might, you know, garner at least a little bit of interest from people feeling like, Hey, everybody's talking about this possibly being the best match of all time. I might go and check this out. Um, I don't know if this card necessarily has that type of hook, but then again, maybe it's not that type of interest that, you know, a casual fan is even looking for. Maybe it gets hook when, Jungle Boy tries to retire the title on Wednesday. I I would expect some big angle on Wednesday, sort of your final push towards uh, the show on on Saturday. I I don't know Mm -hmm. if you have anything in your back pocket that's going to be, I mean, outside of, you know, a outside star showing up like a, you're talking like a Goldberg level. Um, I I, I don't know. Williams. Um, okay. Um, Yeah. The entire take, uh, the entire uh, uh, take original lineup of Oasis. What if they got Elton John to do a, a remix of Sunday Afternoon's All Right for Fighting? <laughs> Live. Is that out of the question? You know, he's still performing, to my knowledge. Anything's possible. Come on, Tony. Set it up. Cash Wheeler. Um, you guys did a great job of uh, covering this on Friday. There isn't, like, much new uh, attached to it. I'm just curious what kind of thoughts you have in terms of how they've handled this. It on Saturday, it was promoted as FTR will speak. And mm. I mean, technically, their their mouths moved uh, in a video package. So they did speak. Uh, but it was them. not live. We didn't, we didn't necessarily see the mouths move. You're um, right. You're right. It's, uh, we, we heard voices. I would have been very curious what the reaction would have been like if they had put them in the arena. And we're going to see that on Wednesday. I don't think he's going to receive a negative response. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I mean... I like I don't have like a strong opinion on this one. I mean, from the one side, it's like he's been charged. And mm-hmm. I think it's a different question. Like if he is convicted, um, if he's convicted, that might affect his ability to go to certain countries. But he has not been convicted yet. And he won't um, be convicted before this weekend. No, he's not going to be convicted yeah. before this week. Um it's but, also, but but is there still a question about you know the border, the UK border, wanting to turn somebody away for any reason? I would think that if they have made the the decision to go through and keep them on the card, which they absolutely appear to have done, that they would be aware that there are no restrictions of no surprises of when he enters the country. That that and if there be. were ex- any sort of restrictions, you you would expect maybe a, a Tony Khan to you know have some maybe call in a favor or two maybe from uh from people he might know you you think he has that giant baba muscle um could save dr death when he when (laughs) in a country that uh where baba was able to open doors for dr death that the government couldn't do for paul mccartney well 
We'll see. Um, well, yeah, he's, uh, you know, uh, he's on the card on Wednesday, which will be an interesting show because they're doing dynamite and collision together. Um, four hours of tapings. They did do rampage, so they don't have to tape rampage on top of that, but that's the last stop in Duluth, Georgia before everyone heads over to London. Everybody under the same roof roof. You, you think everyone under the same roof in Duluth. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Under the Very roof nice. in Duluth. Yes. Edge. He, um, so the SmackDown number was was nothing crazy on on Friday night. They did two million ninety four thousand viewers and a point five five on Fox in the U.S., which was comparable to the week prior. But again, had uh, NFL preemptions to deal with. Uh, but in Canada, um, they did another great number, two hundred and forty nine thousand viewers, which um, beat the previous Friday in terms of their largest number since the Friday after WrestleMania. And this one you would certainly correlate to the show in Toronto and built around Edge and Sheamus with Edge. They were certainly dancing around it on the broadcast and throwing it out there. Like, could we've heard the rumors. Could this be his last match in WWE? And from Edge's mouth, it's, you know, it was his final contractual match. His contract, though, not up until the end of September. So if anyone's tuning in on Sunday for a, a surprise, you'll be uh, you'll be left uh, unsatisfied. But, I mean, do you look at this as, for, for Edge, I mean, do you look at him as somebody that would be, if you're AEW, are you aggressively going after an edge and trying to bring him in? And and do you foresee him like wanting to tack on another another act to his career beyond this this contract? Well, the answer to the second question is yes. I mean, I I really do feel like um watching the way he's performing and seeing the passion he still very much has, I know it's probably really hard for any wrestler to walk away from this. And I I almost feel like that's especially the case when a wrestler still can very much go at a very high level like Edge. Um, it's not like his, you know, in-ring performances have really deteriorated. In fact, I would say they're pretty damn good, you know, as of late. And I still feel like he has a lot left in the tank. And I think there's always that reunion with Christian that I feel like he would want. I feel like Christian would want. And I certainly feel well, like this man did not want. want that year. He came yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. He turned it down. Um, I, you know, but but if faced with the possibility of, of him going to the competition, is WWE going to make a counteroffer? I, I I expect all those things. So I mean, I I think a lot of this could be posturing, you know, in the public eye on Edge's part for another contract. But I personally don't feel like we've seen his last match whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's unlikely. Um, yeah, I look at it like certainly with AEW, there's a lot of different options. I guess my only reluctance would be, I think in a company there's there's always a role for the for the veteran star mm-hmm. that can be in that role. I don't want it to be to a point though where you have so many of those people occupying those, those roles. And mm-hmm. it's great when you have a sting, um, but when you couple it with your Christians, your Matt Hardys, your Jeff Jeff Jarretts, and then you throw an edge into the mix, like I could certainly justify having an edge on my broadcast. But it's it's but but how long is a sting sticking around? As an active in-ring performer. Well, uh, and is Edge apparently your next... <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know... This it, guy for it, 20 it, years has been saying, like, one more year. And we, we don't know right. what that one more year is, but there is always one more for him. Yeah, I would suggest, uh, you know, some of this is up to the budget of a Tony Khan, but I, I don't know if there is a budget, you know, anymore. These I don't think the budget's the AW. issue here. I think it's... I, I mean, yeah. certainly he would... Listen, you're trying to get Collision up and up and running. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of interest in having an, an Edge there but 
I, I would just I would look at it at that point of like I, I am not someone that's clamoring for an edging Christian against the Hardys. I think like what what value can we get out of you know an edging Christian reunion that well an edging Christian versus the Young Bucks then edging sure Christian versus you know um uh, uh, top flight you know like Iron what, Savages uh, yes yes versus the Iron Savages my my main question though is what does he call himself Adam Copeland at that point. What, corner? Ah, it just doesn't sound. <laughs> Wedge. <laughs> Ledge. <laughs> Sledge. <laughs> the list goes on and on. It's a terrible name. Like, let's just, it's a terrible it's name. It's fine. It's, you know, it's it's kind of cool now, isn't it? He always said one of his big regrets was not picking a name that had multiple syllables for chanting purposes. Like, it's it's hard to chant Edge. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, Sexton Cardcastle can make a return. He could. Yeah. There's always yeah. that possibility as well. Well, yeah, it's listen, I think he will have sizable offers if he is willing to continue. I could also see like he's 49 at this point. I mean, the guy just is coming off a tremendous contract that he had in WWE. He, you could argue, was the first real beneficiary of AEW in that mm-hmm. like AEW had the interest and WWE came to him and offered him a lot to stay. Um, totally. He gr- greatly benefited from having a competing offer. And he, and he might again. He might th- this time around too. So, I mean, good for him to have people to play off each other. Yeah, and how can we forget, of course, um, FTR, you know, that potential dream match. And the Rampage numbers, our last item, 416,000 viewers and a .13 in the demo. So up 5% in viewers, but falling 15% in the 18 to 49 demo, their lowest since July 28th. And uh, they were down 25% among women in the key demo and the 18 to 34 demo. This featuring Hikaru Shida and Sky Blue beating Tony Storm and Ruby Soho. And a phenomenal television match between Commander and Ray Phoenix. If Mm -hmm. you did go out of your way to check out Rampage, which... Those are the kinds of matches that I think yeah. work the best for Rampage, ones mm-hmm. that maybe are not going to fit elsewhere, but it's the buzz that came out of the Nashville tapings last week, and and they tore it up. It was a great match. It's the type of match where you watch it and you almost wish it was on Dynamite so that they would have a bigger platform, Um, but still, it's like that's exactly the type of thing. That and the parking lot brawl, I, I mean, those are the last two times I went back and watched something on a Rampage, and I felt very, very satisfied with you know the decision, so... Yeah, like they're they're giving you some really good stuff on those shows. And a programming note for post-wrestling for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Up Next will be hosted by John Ceno and B Detroit. And they will be going live each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern as uh, Braden and Davey are on their lengthy trip around the world. So uh, tune into them beginning this Wednesday to recap Heat Wave. What Up Next? What Up Next with Ceno yes. and B Detroit. So check out all of that on Thursday. Way and I are going to have this week's Rewind Away going back to January of 2008 and reviewing the Royal Rumble from Madison Square Garden featuring a big surprise return by John Cena as the mystery. Spoilers. Well, after 15 years, I think it's um, you're allowed to to spoil Mm -hmm. it. So John Cena's surprise, Randy Orton against Jeff Hardy and Edge against Rey Mysterio Mm -hmm. at Madison Square Garden. Ric Flair versus MVP. Rick does Ric Flair's career end at the Royal Rumble? Tune in on Thursday to find out in the opening match of the pay-per-view. It Could pot very possible, very possible. And then on Friday night, we've got Rewind to SmackDown. Saturday, Collision Course with Kate from Montreal and John Ceno. And then, yes, Sunday for everybody, we will be live on the YouTube channel whenever All In ends. 5 p.m., 6 p.m., 10 p.m., 
we will be live to recap all of the action from Wembley Stadium. And then we can, uh, and then it's on the road to all out. Uh, to, uh, yeah, we get right back on the car and uh, somehow drive over the uh, ocean uh, to Chicago. So looking forward to that. Also, uh, the latest edition of Postmarks with Bruce and David coming out this Saturday as well. And the wellness policy on Tuesday. Tomorrow. You're right. Thank you, John. 3 p.m. Eastern time. It'll be an open topic discussion between me, Neil, and Jordan. Of course, we invite everybody to call in YouTube.com slash wrestling. 3 p.m. Eastern time. We will talk about anything and everything. Except CM Punk. Put some ground rules Not, on. Sure, okay. No CM Punk talk. Can't talk all about right. the, the attendance at all in. Mm-hmm. Certain topics are off limits. But not off limits is tonight's Raw from Centre Videotron in Quebec City. Quebec City getting a Raw. And based on the first 15 minutes, I was like, this is going to be the hottest crowd of the year. And it turned out this crowd, they came to see two people. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. The rest of it, they were like, you know what? You want to you wanna do all your anti-French heel tactics? We're just going to sit back and wait for Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to come out. This was a red-hot crowd for those two in the first segment and the last segment. And I don't want to say they were dead in between, but it was a noticeable change from uh, this, this opening 15 minutes to the closing 15 minutes in between. I guess when you show you start the show off with uh, on a ten, every, everything's going to feel you know pretty low in comparison. This was this was an amazing start to the show. Sami Zayn comes out and he is treated like a god to this audience. He's draped with the Quebec flag. They're singing Ole, chanting his name, and Sami is just at his Hulk Hogan best, just amping this crowd up, getting them to go. Go. This was like eight minutes or so of just pure love for Sami Zayn in the ring and he welcomes everyone to raw in French uh, this has to be the most French we have ever heard spoken on a WWE broadcast tonight I mean maybe maybe the last time he was in Montreal would 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 maybe be similar but that was that contained segment. to one promo on, on the go home segment this was like up and down the card it was like everyone was like okay we're in Quebec City we got to speak French yeah right so Judgment Day interrupts him and Michael Cole calls them losers. And Zane addresses them in French and asks if they thought that he was going to come here alone. And with that, Kevin Owens comes. Dude, the place was shaking as Kevin Owens comes out. He attacks Dominic. He yanks Balor out, stunner on Damian Priest, and proposes a match, teaming with Zane against any two of them. And he ends speaking in French for the major pop. Uh, these 15 minutes were incredible. They were like your your peak attitude era crowds and then some it was Mm -hmm. like these two were gigantic gigantic baby faces to this crowd and i was like this this crowd's gonna be amazing and then um then the new day came out with matt riddle and drew mcintyre and it just kind of subsided for me Mm -hmm. well well you got to enjoy for at least a few segment segments here um incredible atmosphere as is always uh, it tends to be the case when you have you know um a beloved Canadian in um, Montreal or Quebec City here, but in, in this case, you're cu- you're talking about you know Quebec City getting this version of Sami Zayn, you know main event level Sami Zayn post WrestleMania main event level Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens for the first time, and they reacted huge for both of these guys. Obviously, it takes you know us back, and I'm sure it took Sami back to what it felt like on Elimination Chamber weekend, and you know even though he like he himself has kind of admitted that he's he's not the guy that they're choosing um he still feels like very much the guy who should be the guy 
um, at least to these people tonight. So I, I hope that he and Kevin Owens were both able to enjoy this feeling that much more, you know, without having to the, the pressure of, I guess, you know, main eventing a pay-per-view that weekend. Geographically, he was the guy tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So New Day takes on Matt Riddle and Drew McIntyre, and they have the advantage on Riddle after the break. Riddle catches Kofi with a knee and then uh, hits a fisherman suplex off the top to, to Woods, and Drew is on the apron, and Eric from the Viking Raiders appears and yanks Drew off the apron, and Kofi doesn't see any of this and just capitalizes by nailing Riddle with the Trouble in Paradise to win in nine minutes and 32 seconds and then the vikings attack the new day drew comes back spine buster on ivar sends them out of the ring drew and riddle are pissed off at the viking raiders and the new day get the victory and uh no no signs of dissension here between riddle and drew mcintyre but um mm. more on that later i think there there were still like teases i mean they're still very much in the building phase of the team right now but there were like slight teases you know like when riddle aggressively went for a hug again for, with drew and then drew kind of gives this look like damn i'm about to snap on this guy instead he decided to belly to belly suplex him over the top rope that's right he did day. the weapon spot with him yeah. yeah, yeah. So they are like keeping that very subtly there or maybe not so subtly in the background for you to think that this guy could snap on Riddle any second. Um, but I think they're building this team really well. I mean, they were the baby faces in this match against the New Day, who this was maybe about as much, you know, of a heel New Day as you would get, you know, um, not necessarily being bad guys, but just kind of people there to heat up uh, Riddle and, and Drew here. And I thought they all did a pretty good job with what they were given. Um you know, the new day, I guess, gets to keep their status as like, you know, the, the tag team to beat, I suppose. Um, while Riddle and Drew seem like they're still on the ascent as well as a team that everybody wants to see together. Jackie Redman interviews Finn Balor and JD McDonough and asks if JD has led to tension among the new day members and calls Balor his brother. And he feels that he's making the judgment day stronger. And Ripley and Dominic show up and tell Balor they need to talk about this match with Owens and Zayn tonight. And they say only Judgment Day members allowed as JD stands there like a goof and is left alone. It, it, he did like, you know, give like a pretty like, I I don't even know exactly what you would call this look. But it was like a nice, like ambiguous facial expression to lead you to think that this guy might be, you know, puppeting the strings here with Finn Balor and everything. So I continue to really enjoy this JD McDonough introduction. Yeah, he also looks to be bouncing at a local pub, this outfit. What, the black t-shirt? <laughs> you mean the, 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 the man All bun? Yeah, the ponytail and the, yeah, he looks like he's wor- working at a bar. There's a Shayna Baszler video. You are what you do, not what you say you'll do. And they had these cool graphics of her delivering strikes. And then we'd see the outline of someone's yeah. skull crushing. Isn't this like what they used to use for like UFC um, Unleashed or, or something? One of those shows on, T- on T- um, Spike? Maybe like Human Weapon. Do you remember that show? Uh, no. no. This no. felt like a, like a Mortal Kombat fatality. A little bit, yes. Yeah. Um, it, it was a, a cool effect that they had here. Um, they showed like, Uh, highlights of her removing ronda rousey from wwe and she's not here to be a hero but set it all on fire and only hope the only hope is for you to survive let the world burn Mm -hmm. yeah um i i thought the video like looked really cool and and it's clear by this type of effort that they're really giving baszler a serious push coming off of this ronda program they 
seem to have a lot of you know big hopes for her judging by maybe the amount of production that they gave her here i thought the video was good let's see if the crowd takes to her because i thought her previous videos were also really good but crowd completely shit on her match with ronda so is it too late you know to 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 make shana a star let's see i'm also curious how much the timing of the becky trish program has affected this like was this a late call to extend this program because we had already sort of dangled this with Shayna coming for Becky mm. with that backstage promo. And now mm. she's sort of just in the waiting room while this program finishes itself out with this steel cage match that I mm. would assume they're going to get back to that. But she sort of like you started that and now she's just cracking skulls. Uh, yeah, I mean, which is, you know, I guess a decent thing to do. Yeah, um, it's not like they're put. I, I would assume you might see her in, in some sort of squash match next week just to kind of keep her warm. But um, maybe they thought a video would be, you know, the next best thing. Earlier today, a Gunther is in the shadows with this white backdrop, walks into the light and says, time is his friend. With each passing day, he adds to his lifetime legacy and he respects Chad Gable's accomplishments. But his fairy tale story ends tonight. And. Byron Saxton interviews Alpha Academy and calls this Chad Gable's biggest match of his 10-year career. And we get uh, words of encouragement from Otis and Maxine. Maxine, whom you will be hearing from later on if you download this show, as I will be speaking with her about the Japanese ocean cyclone suplex. Mm -hmm. An exclusive here at Post Wrestling. So that'll also be a video will also be available at YouTube.com slash Post Wrestling. They promoted John Cena's return on SmackDown next week and appearing in India. And that takes us to the Intercontinental Championship match. Gunther and Chad Gable with Gunther 18 days away from setting the record. And it has been noted how they are in Memphis next week. If there's any week to bring out old Wayne Ferris, next week is it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So great scramble early on by Gable into a kip up out of an arm bar. And we, he gets nailed with a massive chop to set up the break and Gable is dropped on the barricade. He's getting dominated by Gunther. And at one point, Gunther just starts uh, kicking away at him. What's going on here? Huh? And he just kicks away at at Gable as uh, Gunther uh, continues to attack him. Gable leaps off the turnbuckle into a chop. He gets stomped down, fights out of a rear naked choke by getting to his feet and then a dragon screw is delivered to Gunther into the ankle lock, and the upkick sends Gable off, and Gable proceeds to hit his own chops. He's delivering ground and pound, and then Gable is shoved to the floor, and he attacks with his own chops. Gunther comes back, misses with a chop, and nails the post, so Gable rams him into the post, suplexes Gunther over the barricade, and beats the count, so Chad Gable wins by countout in 1309, and they put over that he is the first person to beat Gunther in a singles match since coming up here a year and a half ago, his non NXT career. Yes. Yes, that, that is correct. Um, you know, going into this match, I thought the appeal of the match would be uh, how much, how successful they would have been in giving us one or two big near falls to convince the crowd that Gable actually had a chance to win. But, um, Clearly, they want to extend this program over to payback, and I did not see the countout win as an option. And I think it's really quite brilliant. You know, you're giving Gable way more than I expected when they started this feud. I mean, not only did Gable beat Gunther technically in this beat the clock challenge, he now actually has a very legitimate countout victory over the guy, too, which is more than anybody in this company has had over 
the main roster version of Gunther. Um, but Gunther gets to keep the record setting reign, but drops his first official match against Gable, which is huge for Gable. Um, beyond that, every interaction that these two have had has been fantastic. So if this is trying to set the stage for a third match, I mean, it, it, it achieved that in, in every aspect. I thought this was good. I thought this was a great way to set up what should be a really great match at payback and extends this for, I, I think you could get more out of this than just doing this, this one-off title match on, on television. Judgment Day's in the back, and uh, Balor wants to team with Dominic. Priest says it should be him and Dominic, and they can't agree. Rhea Ripley just gets upset, telling Balor and Priest they need to bury the hatchet. Basically, her thing is, Dom is the weak link. You two need to be teaming together, and I don't want to say that part out loud, but if you don't figure it out, I will make the decision for you. I've got stuff to deal with with Candice, and I would love for the camera to have fallen Rhea what was your preparation for Candice LeRae? What did you have to prepare for for this match? Uh, maybe some stretches, you know. Um, uh, Familiarize yourself with the prism trap. Yeah, because nobody else was going to on commentary. Um, I love how I love how Rhea continues to be the only grown up in the entire group, and I contrastly love how passive and childlike dominic continues to be portrayed as he's like i don't know what to do in, in this situation what, what do you think mommy she's the legit mommy yeah yes she is imperium's in the back gunther's furious that he got counted out he storms off kaiser says he's going to make this right and asks vinci what are you going to do and uh, he said nothing so maybe that's the answer. I'm not going to do anything. You're you're facing the guy next week. They continue to tease, like you know, um, not necessarily dissension within the group, but just like, um, both Kaiser being Kaiser being the fall guy for Gunther, and then I now I guess it's Vinci being the fall guy for Kaiser. Like it's <laughs> so, but I just don't know if they're ever going really anywhere with with Vinci, especially Kaiser. At least you know gets is getting a, like a good deal of development, but. I, I I don't exactly know if there's an end game here for Vinci or if it's just like, you know, him getting berated constantly in, in, in these segments. Maybe Vinci will join the Alpha Academy when Maxine leaves Alpha Academy for oh, like Kaiser. A, a trade. Like yes. Then he can be a sure. Da Vinci. Da uh, Vinci, like DA. Yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to come up with things. I, I, I don't like the long term prospects for Vinci. Hmm. Him being the background guy in Imperium is probably his best bet. For now, yeah. Saxton is with Cody Rhodes. He refers to JD as a Funko Pop because of his big head and small body. And Cody's not happy doing a backstage interview. He takes the microphone and walks out to the arena with Saxton and asks the crowd in French, what do you want to talk about? He then decides to say hello to Wade Barrett and Michael Cole, who have been together for a few weeks now on Raw. And I, I like and has Cody, Cody realized tonight that, hey, that's Wade. <laughs> right. He says Judgment Day has the numbers advantage. But if there's one place where the numbers don't matter, it's down the road from where Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn grew up and asks the fans, will you be in their corner tonight? Cody says, I'll be watching closely and we're all going to watch Judgment Day rise and Judgment Day fall. And if you wanted to tell me, to give me a Cody Rhodes promo about absolutely nothing. This was it. He had nothing to say. It was just, here are three minutes. I mean, I wouldn't say it was entirely nothing. You know, like he he really did set the stage, I think, for his presence in the main event by saying that, hey, I also he, hate He did the confirm I am physically in this building with this He promo. did that. He said, I also hate the Judgment Day, and I have not forgotten about what they did to me, and I will be watching the main event. 
Yeah, Balor sat on him. You don't want anybody sitting on you, do you? No, probably not. But I also don't need to see them fight at not, a pay-per-view over not this in public, infraction. At least. Then we had uh, the greatest segment ever. Shinsuke Nakamura, a taped video packages with subtitles. <laughs> we marvel at this every time it happens. And it was great, okay? I don't want to see the guy ever hold a microphone again on this show. This should be... They should hire an editor that is on Nakamura duty throughout this heel run. He says that he, when he whispered into Seth's ear last week, he filled him with fear. Seth acts like a man that has it all, but he knows Seth, and he knows his weaknesses. I whispered to him, I know about your back. He says his back has been broken for many years and he lives in pain and creates a void inside him that nothing can fill, no matter how successful he is. He is in pain when he hugs his wife, when he picks up his child, and he is a world champion, yet every day he is in pain and he knows that he can break once he can, that Nakamura can break him once and for all. And they are not so different. They each live by a code that others don't. And that code is displayed on Seth's back where it shows the back tattoo that seth has and it's the same back that is failing to hold seth together Mm -hmm. his body has crumbled under the pressure of his own vanity are you satisfied seth with what you've done with your life he will not be satisfied until he takes that burden from seth breaks him once and for all and ends it watch your back This was awesome. This so was good. like maybe the best Shinsuke Nakamura segment in his WWE run. Mm-hmm. This was so great. Yeah. And this is a legit story that Seth shared not all that long ago on Logan Paul's podcast, like of his back that basically does need surgery at some mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we say segment, you know, I still put like Sami Zayn versus Nakamura with his debut right up there um, as, as far as like highlights go, but there aren't too many to speak up when it comes to Shinsuke Nakamura, especially not in a non wrestling context. This was outstanding. Was with a Jinder Mahal um, <laughs> using like racism to try and get their program. Oh, I put it up there with him low blowing AJ styles, you know, for an entire month. Um, I, I just, I, I even bring, up like the, the Sami Zayn thing because I just think man like h- how different would things be if this was the Shinsuke Nakamura that debuted on the main roster with this sort of treatment this sort of like mm, depth you know of like of sort of like um uh you know motive behind his attacks rather than just you know randomly low-blowing AJ Styles for whatever reason I I mean you know they they've really figured it out like I feel like we we kind of play this dance all the time when it comes to people like you know um like an eo sky week after week figuring out well how how does she like they're coming with different ways to try to make her feel like a presence on the show when you can just do this let them speak do subtitles hopefully most of us watching have the ability to read you know what as you know people talk at the same time um and the the result is just this like incredibly co- like complex message full of depth and meaning and delivered in such a charismatic way. I mean, it's a testament to Nakamura's charisma, the, the the his ability to like exemplify like you know his sort of like 
flair like without speaking that that many words but when he's speaking in japanese you can see the full extent of the type of person that this person this guy is uh i think the promo and story are both wonderful you know they teed this up with the whispering last week and i felt like this was the type of message that was worthy and justified seth's reaction to it it's sim- so simple and completely believable and a back injury like that would be incredibly crippling you know uh pun intended you know for for the the, the the somebody like seth rollins to hear like it's like basically somebody pointing out the effects of kryptonite to superman you know a hidden weak spot that he's tried to keep a secret with this bravado you know the the singing the the the, the fancy outfits i think it's so good for not just nakamura but i think it's great for seth rollins too like the stuff about the tattoo being in kanji in Japanese, it's of the uh, Bushido code. So, you know, the the fact that Nakamura was able to come up with a line that that's something to, to the effect of like, you know, how ironic it is that what's tattooed on your back is the same thing that's preventing you from living it because the be- your back is so fucked up. I, I kind of screwed that up. But ending it with watch your back, I just thought this was absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I mean... Who would have thought that the the chilling words into his ear would have been, I caught up on Impulsive with Logan Paul and got mm. to your episode. That's where that's where heels get all the scoops. So a great segment. I, I thought this was honestly like, uh, other than that opening 15 minutes, I thought this was the best thing on Raw. Rhea Ripley against Candice Michelle. Um, this was nothing. Uh, Candice LeRae. Not, not, we didn't see a return here from. Who did I say? Candice. Michelle. Oh, that, that would have been quite the return in Quebec City. Um, Candice LeRae, uh, Rhea's shoulder goes into the buckle. Indy then pulls Dominic off the apron, and then the Riptide is countered with a DDT. Cabrada by Candice uh, nearly overshoots her, and then a wheelbarrow gets blocked, and she applies the prism trap in a minute 21 um, that Michael Cole's never seen before and states it's a new wrinkle in her game. And there's this pause. It's been a long time since we've seen that. Yeah, apparently. So... Anyway, yeah, like two, three weeks. I, I, she I is mean, not, it's not like this is even a, like an NXT. Graves, Graves calls it every time. And clearly, like, it tells you how much attention Michael Cole's been paying to Raw. So that was it. Rhea destroyed her. And then Raquel Rodriguez comes out on a crutch, uh, but then attacks her with the crutch, reveals that she has cleared, and Adam Pierce has already made the match for payback. You know who the UFC needs? The UFC needs Adam Pierce because here they are. They've just done a whole season of Ultimate Fighter. They cannot put this Michael Chandler, Conor McGregor fight together. Like you have the whole USADA thing. Dude, Adam Pierce would have got that fight done. You don't even have to alert the champion. It's just the challenger comes to the authority. He makes the match. There's no bargaining power. This is a great non-unionized shop that they run. And the champion is just told on television, you've got the pay-per-view title defense against me. And maybe this antitrust lawsuit could have been solved with a match. That would have been, that is where the, uh, the plaintiffs could have really gone for treble damages on a pole. Yes. Tommaso yeah. Ciampa. Just, just to kind of speak on this Raquel Rhea thing. I mean, Montreal was not a crowd for Raquel. Um, and I don't know how much of it had to do with her speaking a foreign language that was not French. Um, but the crowd was really not – was pretty cold for Raquel. And I think you're going to – I, I found the crowd – they weren't that crazy about anyone outside of Zane and Kevin Owens speaking French. It was almost like, okay, you're – we know the game of like you're trying to pander to us and we know you're not – They were hot for Cody, I would say. I, I didn't sense they were all that – 
crazy. Okay, they were that. hotter for Cody than they certainly were for Raquel. They were definitely hotter like, for Cody than Raquel Rodriguez. Yes. I just feel like you're going to run into this with Ripley and a lot of the other members of the roster who aren't Becky or maybe, you know, um, Trish, I guess, when you're talking about Raw stars. Like, the gulf between her star power and everybody else is just so great and they they've given raquel at least a storyline they've given her airtime but man the star power is still very low compared to somebody like Rhea. tomaso champa is sitting on his chair in the back and he reminds us that he returned nine weeks ago it's like really nine done weeks nothing for back? nine weeks <laughs> i yeah. do not believe you and he wants the same shot that Chad Gable got for the Intercontinental title, brings up how he lost to Shinsuke Nakamura, but he was so close, and now look at Nakamura. So he's going to take a do-it-yourself mentality, and here he is here to take over again. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. So It's like, I've got nothing us. going for me, so I'm going to turn the clock back to when things yeah. were going much better for me with yeah. another guy who's fallen off the face of the earth. Please remember the other version of me and not the one you've seen for the past nine weeks, really, for the past three he's been years. back for nine weeks. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, he he's needed a little bit of a reset here. He was really running in circles with, like, the, you know, Bronson Reed and, and even Shinsuke Nakamura for a time. So um, it's nice that, you know, he's clear of all of that and um, giving us a little bit of a hint of a DIY reunion. The Miz comes out. The crowd starts chanting for Maurice. And, dude, Miz was so fast on his feet and just mm-hmm. says, she's from Montreal. She'd never come to Quebec City. That, like, this was totally just off the cuff. And he was so quick-witted here to and instantly turn the crowd. Like, what a what a real clever line to have um, that I'm sure he wasn't even – how could he possibly have expected to get Maurice chance during this? this well, is it that crazy to expect? I mean. I th- like, your wife that's not on television, like, I don't know. To me, that would be stretch. I don't know if I that would be top of mind in terms of going into the segment, expecting that as a logical uh, call-out. He addresses LA Knight and talks about how he retained the title against John Cena in the main event of WrestleMania, even with the rock being involved. And that 20 years from now, the Miz will be remembered while LA Knight is a flash in the pan, the hoobastank of WWE. Ouch. Is there, is there, do they not have any other songs? Um, no, no, they, um, hmm. they thought of, but someone said, you know what? There's no reason for you to have any more songs than you already have. And he handpicked his opponent that is bigger and stronger than anyone LA Knight has ever faced. His opponent is Akira Tozawa, who is a wrestler that has been under contract for years. Yes, he has. And good former, for him. Former ninja. Well, he, he's, he's had a lot of roles, you know. But good, you know what, at this point, good for him. He's, he's held down a job. He's like, you know, made a successful living here in, in, in America. That's right. Miz says that Akira Tozawa held the 24-7 title for 5,000 times. And the 24-7 title, it's a lot like LA Knight. It's a watered-down throwback to the Attitude Era. <laughs> and Very Tozawa nice. Very just, nice. Yeah. Keeps replying with, yeah, yeah. And Miz gets upset at this. <laughs> so then Knight comes out and joins commentary. And we get like a seven-minute match here between these two. And Knight's just going off how Miz was a background player at WrestleMania. We're, we're talking about... 12 year old wrestlemania main events here and that miz hasn't been a trend for 10 years so it's like the two are trying to argue who's who's less popular there's a shining wizard by tozawa and then a rana off the desk as akira tozawa he's just throwing everything out this is my big raw match of the year and there's a senton onto the knees of miz and then 
Tozawa counters the skull-crushing finale and rolls up the Miz in 719. This is usually the spot where, like, the babyface distracts the heel or there's something to lead to it. This was like, Knight was just sitting there, mm-hmm. and Tozawa beat him. Like, it was so, uh, it was played up as a fluke, but it, it felt less fluky. Yeah, I mean, so this is supposed to counter what, what happened on SmackDown with the Miz basically distracting LA Knight and causing him to lose. I think maybe to make, you know, make it clear that LA Knight is the babyface. He's not using any underhanded tactics. Um, it's really the Miz allowing himself to... Like the Miz was distracted by LA Knight. Like he did this. Why? Because he's just like he wants to show off against LA said, Knight. No, I said he was distracted by him talking on commentary. Exactly. Yeah. Beyond that, he was did you did you mention what he was doing with the yes kicks? No. So the Miz, like now, um, whenever he's doing these kicks, he's shouting, at least tonight, he was shouting like other fads so he did one kick and shouted napster he did oh another kick God. and shouted myspace and then he did another one shouting beanie babies it's just awesome so clearly you know that flustered him and allowed tozawa to win okay well um then he came in and hit the blunt force trauma to the miz i know they have to get a match out of this it's I'm ready for them to get this match out of the way. Though. I'm really enjoying like the verbal back and forth. You know, this is like, I think a good follow up for LA Knight because it gets him on both shows. Like you're getting LA Knight presence on essentially, you know, you're getting an LA Knight push on raw and on SmackDown. And I think this sort of like verbal, like back and forth has been really, has been really good for the minutes. That's for sure. Cause I think he's completely like over delivered. I think he's, he's fantastic really in, in these segments. I think it's good for LA night too. So yeah, the match is the, the part that I'm least looking forward to. Drew tries to break up with Matt Riddle, but new day overhears this says you guys have great potential. You guys could be called Mick Riddle. New day says we have the Viking Raiders next week and we'd be open to having a rematch with you guys down the road. And Riddle begs Drew to tag up one more time with him. And Drew is going to think about it. He's open to the idea. Yeah, they're going to make us wait for like they're going to make us work for for this union between the two. And then they're going to give it to us. And at some point, we're just going to keep waiting and waiting and waiting until one of these two snaps and it very likely will be drew mcintyre i mean i think this has revitalized riddle you know i i think he's at this point a pretty (laughs) i hate to call it and say it but like a bit of a one-trick pony and that he's certainly the most lovable when you're being when you're pairing with him with another serious wrestler it was a formula that worked with pete dunn it certainly worked to, to a great extent with randy orton and now here you have drew mcintyre playing that role um that and at some point you know he's really going to snap and i can't wait for it because i think they're already doing a great job of teasing it priest is with ripley and dominic um priest notes me and finn we have not worked it out i don't trust him why should i and he told me to go speak to jd and Rhea's upset so said we're doing it my way becky lynch had one of those segments where she came out and then they went to commercial and then they went to a video package and then they went backstage. So she was in this ring for about an hour and then she addresses the crowd. They are going to have the steel cage match at payback with her and Trish and says how her legacy will not be defined by wins and losses or titles, but by survival, she will always come back. She isn't unbeatable, but she is unstoppable and I don't always win, but I always fight Trish and Zoe come out and Trish comes out and she starts speaking French 
and she's giving this pro-Canada speech, and this crowd was just so confused. They didn't know how to react to her. And she then leads them on and says that it's great to be in my home country and to be here in Quebec City. And what does it mean to me? It means absolutely nothing. It's not like this is Montreal. It's not even Toronto. And then makes a crack. At least the Leafs made the playoffs, which kind of goes right against your, like you just pointed out, this isn't Montreal. And then you're insulting Montreal. Yeah, like the, the, the line should have been, at least we have a hockey team. You know, that, that would have been, been the line to use, at least. And then you you almost yeah. make Montreal, like you've healed Montreal here too. So you're not endearing right. yourself to um, Quebec City in any way. So mm-hmm. that was a bit... Um, oh, they're very sensitive about the Nordique. So she she makes her way into the ring. She makes like a Trudeau reference. And then the crowd just like gets on her and they're chanting, we don't care in French at her. Uh, it's also worth noting. And she also had a Merci beaucoup Trish t-shirt on as well. <laughs> Very nice. And Trish explains how she's never been in a steel cage match before and admits she's scared, but she was also scared when she was 24 and sent into a WWE ring with no experience. And she killed it when she main evented raw and also killed it and is constantly proving people wrong. And she's going to stand tall and is sick of always having to prove herself. And you're going to see a side of me, Becky, you've never seen, and you're not going to survive this one, bitch. And Becky announces that she is facing Zoe Stark in a falls count anywhere match next week on raw in Memphis. Um, I thought that this segment had it, its challenges. I think it just felt, this was one where it's, it felt very tough for Trish being the heel here in Canada and I, I feel overall this program, it feels like it's been jumbled around a lot. And I think that we have like passed the timing where the, the this program kind of peaked. I think that SummerSlam was that time and they're sort of just drawing this out another pay-per-view cycle. Mm-hmm. And I, I do sense like there is sort of just we have no more left in the tank. We just are ready to get to the match. Yeah, the multiple sort of like um, DQ finishes has done no favors, I think, for for the the health of this program um i i still feel like you know all the ingredients were there for this to be a successful segment in quebec city you know i do feel like trish being in canada is significant but if if anything just to be able to like stoke the flames of you know a toronto versus like the rest of canada sort of like rivalry and i don't know if she hit it um successfully here for one thing i think the miz kind of stole her thunder with the um you know with the quebec yeah quebec line yeah um i I also think um, she was legitimately thrown off by the, you know, Ensemble Calice you know, chant. And I I don't know what it was, but this segment felt very loose. And that's either because they were given a lot of leeway to improvise or she legitimately got tripped up. And I, I it almost felt like there were mo- pauses here that should. I think she wanted so to play off the crowd, but legitimately didn't know what they were chanting in French. Yeah, and you almost get the sense that this went a bit longer because it felt like for the amount of content that they delivered, this took way too much time. And Becky almost had to like, you know, rush or whatever she was going to say just to kind of wrap things up. Um, You know, I will say it felt organic, but yeah, like, is this the hottest program right now? Unfortunately, uh, does not feel that way. Yeah, I'm I'm interested what kind of ending they give this match like there is a like looking at this lineup for payback um could could you see this closing the show just given the you can't becky and trish 
what's your, it's this or Rollins and Nakamura closing the show. It's not like you have a hot match on this show that is that obvious main event. Like this is the, like, the blow off to the feud. And this yeah. is the one that I think people are going but, to look at as the one that got yanked at SummerSlam. Well, what about uh, Cody? He doesn't have a match yet. I would, you don't you think he would with who? Balor? Like that's not closing the show. Hmm. Yeah. Like you. Yeah. No, I mean, hard you have to no say. bloodline match yet. I mean, if a, if a bloodline match ends up on the show, but again, what's what's that bloodline match? Yeah. I mean, I I feel like Nakamura versus Rollins would be bigger and probably like a, more of a sure surefire like closer than what this would be. Maybe I don't know. Byron is with uh, Chelsea Green and Piper Niven, and Green has got them authorized as champion, and Niven just orders her to the ring. So this is, um, like, Chelsea Green is, like, under duress here as a tag team champion. Um, They beat Katana Chance and Caden Carter in a minute 36 after Niven just took over, threw Carter out of the ring, and hit a running cross body onto Chance in a minute 36. So they won the non-title match against the only other team that exists. Oh man, yeah, that's a that was a little disappointing. I mean, I uh, it's too bad that they weren't really given any time to show anything here. Um, you had a nice little move from uh, Chance and Carter, but I mean, part of this is to also like establish the power level of a Piper Niven and the fact that she can just basically win single-handedly herself, and they at least did that. Um, but. You know, it you got to make this division feel relevant, and you do that by building up challengers. And I thought Chance and Carter were like the only other team in this department that you could have justifiably built to be the next champions, and they just kind of squashed them. This is the match where we we could have had two locals as yeah uh, in, in totally. the role of just Niven and Green, or pair anybody together. You know, Tegan Knox and friend. Yes, yeah. There's a Kurt Angle documentary that's coming out September second on Peacock. And Jackie Redman interviews Seth Rollins, and he gets very serious here that he was caught off guard and doesn't like to talk about his back injury publicly. Like, Seth, how do you think this got out? How do you think he figured this out? I think Nakamura's got, like, your x-rays? And he's got two fractures in his lumbar spine. He's been living with it for four years, and he doesn't know how long he can do this at this level. It's not going to heal itself, and that's part of the gig. And says, if Nakamura wants to bring his family and livelihood into it, well, he better be prepared to face me man to man. And Nakamura isn't even here tonight. He's off in some studio somewhere typing in his answers. (laughs) And I'm not a hard guy to find. And I'll be in the center of the ring next week waiting for you. So this guy's going to fly all the way to Memphis on the hope that Nakamura shows up next week. So he could be waiting. Hmm. I think the serious tone of the story has, I mean, it's forced Rollins to get serious and it actually, again, reframes maybe some of those outlandish clothes, the singing, the, the fake laughing as a, almost a form of like distraction so he could hide his injury from the world. Um, and I like this. I, I like it whenever Nakamura, sorry, when, when Rollins can present sort of like that weird sort of like, I don't know, jokery type of side while also getting serious when he needs to. I think this was a great setup tonight. You've got the instant story for the match. Like everything is working Mm -hmm. towards the back, like to the point that I feel you could get a second pay-per-view out of the, out of this program. Like it's the next one's fast lane. Like it's a small show. I think you could do some kind of finish that does lead to a second match. I actually think that Akamura could win and I wouldn't hate the idea at all. And I didn't think I'd just out to the back. Right exactly. on the line. And I did not think I'd be saying that even a week ago. That's how strong I thought the video was today. And that's how strong I think the pro the, the story is for this match. 
very good for for like a out of left field program and to try and heat up nakamura i think mm-hmm. they did about as good a job as you could hope for tonight oh yeah so next week it's uh chad gable against ludwig kaiser and the falls count anywhere match between becky lynch and zoe stark and remains to be seen if if honky tonk man makes it to memphis man lives in phoenix but i mean he, he could make it to memphis couldn't he Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Uh, this one only goes two and a half minutes. Uh, Owens and Zayn are cheered wildly. Owens goes for the stunner, but it's blocked. And Balor hits a sling blade. And JD McDonough appears, throws the briefcase to Balor, but it's intercepted by Owens, who uses the briefcase right in front of the ref. So the DQ is called. And Damian Priest is pissed off at JD. Zayn then nails McDonough. And the Judgment Day are beating down Owens and Zayn when Cody arrives with his $150 weightlifting belt and clears the ring and we get an impromptu six-man tag. I thought they were just going to cut the feed uh, with 18 minutes left in the show and we were just going to go to black. Uh, Someday we might see that. So Kevin Owens, Zane, and Rhodes against Balor Priest and Dominic Mysterio. This match, okay, the first, this match went 14 minutes. For the first 10, it was just Kevin Owens being beaten and beaten and beaten and beaten then he'd hit a punch and they'd cheer and then he'd be beaten and beaten and beaten dude this guy just sold and sold and sold and sold and sold it was just nothing well i would suggest i i don't know how much he could really pull off given you know like uh, what i don't sense is a completely healed rib injury at this point um that said the guy was doing logan paul interviews and we'll find out how bad this rubber injury is (laughs) that said the guy was doing swantons he was doing like cannonballs off the apron you know in the in in the segment prior to this so um he could do something and clearly was cleared but i mean selling i'm sure was you know about as much as as he could um believably pull off and i'm sure he it felt very real at times for him as much as the selling like just went on forever, my favorite spot of this match, Owens hits a super kick to Balor. And Balor knocks into Cody, who falls down off the apron. I'm like, okay, fine enough. Dude, Cody's down on the floor for like three minutes selling this, like where he got knocked in. And he's just off the apron from this. Uh, you don't like, know I how he felt. Him. Like it was a uh, ref hey. bump. Well, you don't know how his ankle landed, okay? You know, you don't know if he hit his head on, um, I, you know, a... Uh, a really hard part of the floor. Anything this is red shoes here, uh, Cody Rhodes. So uh, Zane gets the tag. And for all this, when Owens finally makes the tag, you would have thought the roof would have come off this place. And it was just like, okay, Zane's in. And Zane hits a tornado. They were loud. They were plenty loud, John. I think you're downplaying it. Well, they were, listen, they were definitely into Owens and Zane a, a lot in this. But I just thought after like literally 10 minutes, I thought this was going to be like a uh, rock and roll express hot tag. Uh, so Priest is, uh, Zane is uh, hit by Rhea Ripley after Balor distracts the ref. There's a South of Heaven. Owens makes the save. Zane gets his knees up on Dom's frog splash and the big tag is made to Cody. He's in disaster kick double cody cutter on dom and priest and then cody Rhodes hits the crossroads onto balor balor's not legal so he hits it onto dominic staggers into the corner tags zane for the haluva kick and owens is in stunner and pins dom in 1423 and man they put the the home provincial heroes over crowd was happy 
They went off the air and the crowd's probably going to come back next time. They really blew their opportunity here in Quebec City. And Zane gets on the mic. Better luck next time. And thanks to the audience and French as they uh, as they go off the air. And Judgment Day continues mm-hmm. to implode with another loss. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, really great go home sort of like, uh, you know, uh, ending here. I mean, um, I... I, you know, of course, this could be selling because these are professional wrestlers. But man, right after the finish, right after the pinfall, Owens was just like clutching his ribs, and uh, you know, everybody seemed to be checking on him. Ref seemed to be checking on him. So again, could be you know uh, selling, could be a storyline. But I also do wonder at this point, maybe the exact state of that knee uh, rib injury. I mean, he was standing and talking with Zane by the time they went off the air. I mean, it, it could have been selling. He could, he could be dealing with it. And the guy worked all weekend, too. Like, he did the SmackDown Dark match. He did the house shows over the weekend. And, yeah, it's um, yeah, he was uh, right back into the thick of it this this last couple of nights. Uh, but that was Raw. Um, kind of a mixed bag of a show. But I would say the strength was uh, the crowd for Owens and Zane was phenomenal. And the Nakamura stuff was very high on my list. But I, I thought some of the... The big segments, I, I mean, it does – some of the programs are just not clicking to to me in the same way. The main one – like, Becky and Trish just feels as though I, – I, I don't know. I, I didn't quite think that that segment hit it out of the park. And, I mean, the rest – I thought within the body of the segment, you had a really good Trish, like, serious promo. Um, but because I think uh, – it felt like the pacing of the whole segment was off. It felt like her flow was off. I almost feel like that kind of got lost, you know, throughout the segment. Yeah, and then you had the Gunther-Chad Gable stuff that was very good. Yeah. I like the ending of that, and it sets up the title match for Payback. I, I like Raw tonight. I thought, you know, you had really great build for Payback in several instances. Um, I think uh, Drew and Riddle is being built, like, really well. Um I thought you had a great sort of like usage of the Quebecois talent on the show. Um, I thought Nakamura, they did an incredible job with, with that particular storyline and uh, Gable, you know, Gable gained a whole lot, you know, with that account at win over Gunther. So I think um, they're doing a great job building a lot of people that um, weren't at the levels that they're currently at. All right. If you want to throw in any super chats, you're welcome to do so. We'll get to your questions. We also have feedback on the forum, and then we will uh, tee up Heatwave for Tuesday night. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com. Okay. We will start off with uh, Muggin, who writes in, Quebec City brought the atmosphere that Winnipeg didn't. They were hot from start to finish. Gable and Gunther ending in a countout would have been groan-inducing in the previous regime. The way it was handled here was so smart as it got Gable over, protected Gunther, and it left room for a rematch at Payback and the possibility of Gable playing spoiler in Gunther's mm-hmm. attempt to break the IC title record. Main event was reliably very good with Owens and Zane looking like superstars. The Nakamura vignette was very well done as it brought Rollins' back issues into focus and it added some much-needed stakes to the world title match. Mm-hmm. Agreed on uh, their, their handling of that countout. Let's go to Luke Kale from Quebec, who is at the show tonight. My friend Jonathan got us some tickets for my birthday. He's the one who introduced me to you guys a decade ago, and we've been li- listening to you guys ever since. Uh, well, happy birthday, Luke Happy Kale. birthday, Luke That's Kale. awesome. He's also in the chat room, so happy birthday to you. It was awesome to finally get a live show in our own city. The crowd was full and felt pretty hot throughout, so I hope it came off that way on TV and that they'll come back. I thought the show was they, they did like a huge they did over 10,500 people. I would certainly think that this would be listen, the, the crowds have been tremendous in Quebec. Um, I mean, they typically are very hot. I would certainly think like they would come back to this market for, for TV, especially like given how well this, this show drew tonight. 
I thought the show was structured really well around Sammy and Kevin as the obvious top stars in Quebec. There was plenty of gratuitous French, as you would expect. The heels knew how to use Montreal against us, which was funny. I love that Miz had a clever comeback for the Maurice chance. After the show went off the air, Sammy thanked the crowd, mentioned that with such a hot crowd, they were sure to return to Quebec. Kevin then spoke about his upbringing, thanked Dusty Rhodes, his family, his parents who were in the crowd tonight for supporting his career, and also shouted out some local promoters and wrestlers from Quebec City for helping him along the way. Awesome show. Hope it was a fun watch for you guys. Thanks for the review. All right. Uh, Thanks for the uh, the live feedback. All right. Tuesday night. Heat wave on USA. We've got Carmelo Hayes against Wesley for the NXT championship. Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley taking on Dragon Lee and Lyra Valkyria, who had a segment on last week. Do Dragon Lee and Lyra Valkyria had the most awkward backstage interaction together? It was it was something to watch last Tuesday. I'm sure they'll have better chemistry in the ring than out. Nathan Frazier against Noam Dar for the Heritage Cup. Trick Williams against Ilya Dragunov, Baron Corbin against Von Wagner, and Ivy Nile against Ava in what will be Ava's first singles match on TV. All right. Well, a lot of pressure. Yes. We'll see how Both of goes. them. Dynamite on Wednesday night. I don't know if you have uh, found the graphic for Dynamite. There might be a thousand people featured on this poster for Wednesday night show. This is the double taping in collision. And for dynamite on Wednesday, it is Kenny Omega and the young bucks against juice Robinson and the guns Aussie open against the Hardys for the ROH tag titles. Uh, do you sense any chance of a title change? No. What do you expect the Hardys to do at the show on Sunday? Anything battle Royal. Yeah. 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 Perhaps. John Moxley against Ray Phoenix, Swerve and AR Fox against Darby Allen and Nick Wayne, Ruby Soho against Sky Blue, the face-to-face between the Young Bucks and FTR, Renee will have interviews with MJF and Adam Cole, Jack Perry retiring the FTW title, and a contract signing between Chris Jericho and Will Ospreay. A lot of segments. Oh, you weren't kidding. Look at this. This... There might be a rule of Holy how cow. many how many faces <laughs> you can fit onto one graphic. And at what point does it sort of just become overwhelming and nothing stands out? Well, it's really, the, it's really the type of gra- – like it's a reference guide is, is what it is. You know, it's, it, it's not necessarily a, I guess, a thumbnail. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Fighter Fest. This mm-hmm. Fighter Fest. All right. Yeah. Okay, that's going to wrap it up. We are back. Way and I, Wednesday night, we'll be live immediately after Dynamite and then throughout oh, we, the week. We actually have some super chats here that came. Oh, then bring last them on. Minute. All right, let's go to Slim Seaber, who sends $10. Thank you, Slim. He says, currently sitting in BC, sitting 20 kilometers from one of the major fires. Just wanted to thank you guys for your content to help distract, even if only for a couple of hours. And yeah, I'm really yeah. sorry to hear that. Very sorry to to hear about that, and uh, yeah, and especially for all the people in in Hawaii. Man, I've I've just heard some like just horrible, horrible stories uh, from there, and just uh, what has uh, you know the the cause and what people are going through. It's uh, it's really terrible just to to hear about that. And I mean, now mm-hmm. you're hearing about the uh, the tropical storm uh, that's that's hitting California as well. Uh, just uh, a ton of. Uh, disasters that are going on uh, throughout throughout the continent um but thank you very much um just for uh for weighing in we hope you are safe yeah um 
And and yeah, our thoughts are with, with you, uh, Slim Seaver, and people affected in BC. Let's go to Muggin, who sends a super chat to say, I bet the Creed boys make their return tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, they haven't really left, but um, maybe they will be unmasked uh, on, on Tuesday. That's uh, probable. Uh, that That's coming sooner rather than later. All right, well, that's Heat Wave, and B Detroit and John Cena will have you covered on Wednesday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern. So again, Way and I, uh, we've got Rewind to Dynamite on Wednesday, and then go to postwrestlingcafe.com for Rewind Away on Thursday and Rewind to SmackDown Friday night, followed by Collision Course on Saturday night. From this past weekend, we also have a review of UFC 292 with Sean O'Malley winning the Bantamweight Championship, Eric Marcotte and I going through that whole card, and the NWA podcast, a three-hour packed edition as they break down everything from the Cash Wheeler situation, a preview of All In, and everything in between. The latest on the saga of CM Punk, they, they've got it all covered. No muffin man. Yes. And no shortage of great references from Nate Milton, whether they be music, movies. The man has an analogy for, for every situation in professional wrestling. So uh, check out all of that, that great stuff at postwrestling.com. And that is it. And uh, for those that have downloaded the show, here is Maxine of WWE. John Pollock here with Post Wrestling, and we are joined here by Maxine Dupree, the author of the Japanese Ocean Cyclone Suplex that we saw. Uh, not too many people expecting you to introduce this in your, in your yeah. debut match. I have so many questions about how this idea was hatched and, yeah. and pulling it off. I mean, this was, uh, it certainly was, was the talk online afterwards of the, uh, you pulling this off. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, yeah, my coach, my coach Chad Gable over there, he, he sent it to me and was like, I think that this would be what you should do. He taught it to me, got me ready, and I'm just so grateful that it was successful. I got the win with it, and I cannot wait to keep using it in the future. What was your first thought when you watched this move for the first time? Oh, I was like, hell yes. <laughs> this is it. This is brilliant. This is what I need to do. It's unique. It's different. It's something that I feel confident in doing, and I have that back flexibility, so I think it really demonstrates something unique about me that maybe a lot of people don't know. And it's awesome. It's as well something where, I mean, it's, it was something that was very impactful that people are coming out of the match. Everyone was buzzing about. And it's sort of making that, that statement that people are able to see, wow, this is like a, a different wrinkle that we're seeing now with Maxine and being able to do this. And I don't think people, like when they originally looked at me, thought that I would be dangerous in the ring. And I think that that gave them a little glimpse of what we have going on and what we're working on for future matches. So tell me, you are in a unique position where you are literally having your first matches on national television. It's a huge pressure situation. Uh, tell me just about, just mentally, how you're approaching that and realizing, like, I don't have, like, 100 matches at NXT or at live events, and you're doing this on national television. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's really crazy. Um, I just have to remember, like, this is what I was born to do. I love to perform. And sing or swim, like, I'm going to swim. I'm going to make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. Like, I am learning. And I have so much growth ahead of me. And I there's a lot of things that I have to fix and grow on. But truly, it's like, I'm just going to go out there and have fun. And I think that the people can feel that. How How is your relationship when it comes to, like, kind of online reaction? Like, the, whether it's good or, or bad, is it something where it's like you, you want to see, you're a performer, you want to see what the reaction is, but sometimes that can also be very detrimental for performers. How do you balance yeah. that? You know, I try to take everything with a grain of salt, good and bad, because I think if you believe the hype, then you have to believe the negativity. And I think all of it is, you know, 
it's it's all hearsay and it's just if you take it all with a grain of salt it's like better for your mental well-being for me um so i, I love to see the positive stuff but i i also I, when i see the negative stuff i try to just keep scrolling and ignore it because you know I wasn't put on this earth to read the negative comments. <laughs> None of us are, but yeah, we are hit with them. When when did sort of like WWE professional wrestling sort of become a, an idea for you? When did this sort of be, like, what was your introduction and in deciding to go this route? Yeah, in high school, I was obsessed with Total Divas and I was a competitive dancer and then I went on to dance professionally and, you know, I was always in the back of my mind. It was a show I was always rewatching. Um, it was something that was on my, you know, my bucket list of life goals to do at some point, but I was just busy doing other things and when the time came, I started applying for a tryout and got my tryout and made it here. And I'm so grateful that I did. When it came to the maximum male models idea, like you could see that all of you were putting everything into this. What was sort of the way it was pitched to you guys? And what were sort of some aspects that you guys just tried to make your own and try and stand out with the, the, these characters? Yeah, I mean, I came into it late, obviously, because, you know, the, them three were working it and killing it. And then they brought me up into it. So I wasn't there for all the beginning conversations. But um, I was told, this is what you're doing, debuting tomorrow. And I was like, all right, let's get it. I'm ready. And, you know, I think when we did Making It Maximum on YouTube, that was something that was, you know, that we just kind of did to develop characters and really, like, just do our own thing. And that was something that was really fun. And it, it was it was really crucial, to, I think, to my growth on the character side of things and speaking and all of that. So that was a really cool experience that we got to do. And it's just been fun. And it's been interesting to watch the fact that, the, you know, the, the chemistry of yourself, Otis and Chad Gable, yeah. that this started off as a, sort of like you and Gable at odds. But it's like yes. the chemistry of the three of you, like, was, is, was it just a, a sense of, wow, this is clicking. Let's just run with this. Yeah, you know, I think it was just natural. Like, obviously, when you look at Otis, how could you not love him? And then I think as me and me and Coach Gable got on the same wavelength and, you know, found that common ground, like us three together became really powerful. And I think that we just mesh really well together. Like, I don't know. I just, I think that it shows on screen. And even if you're just hanging out with us three, I just think the chemistry is natural. It's there. It's authentic. And why not run with it? At this point, are you looking at just, uh, you know, as as many matches as you can get under your belt now and just explore that aspect now like the personality side like that certainly is is evident with the segments with gable and otis are you just looking at like the in-ring like this is my my challenge to attack now yeah you know i'm i may have graduated from the academy but coach gable is still running things okay i'm still learning and growing so whatever coach gable lines up for me i'm in whether whether that's matches whether that's protecting them on the outside whatever they need from me i'm there all right. Well, we look forward to any future uh, influences from Manami Toyota and uh, Joshi stars out there uh, with Maxine. Thank you.